Everyone, thank you for listening to this Chamber Conversation podcast. Today, I'm really lucky to be joined by our chair, John Marshall. Hello, good morning, John. Good morning, Kay. It's lovely to speak to you. One of the things that I wanted to speak to you about is basically for the members of the Chamber staff and people listening to this to to know a little bit more about you and your background, your your views of the region and the Chamber itself. But can you start by giving a brief description of your own career and your, your family life and what challenges you've overcome and the highlights of your career? Of course, Kay, love to do so. So um, what can I tell you about me? I was born and brought up in Newcastle uh, and uh, I have lived here all of my um, life, apart from a brief spell when I was away at Chester in law school uh, and Durham University, uh, uh, where I studied my law degree. Um, I became an article clerk with Dickinson Dees, article clerk as it was in those days, Um, back in 1989 um, and qualified uh, with them as a litigation solicitor um, in 1991. A litigation solicitor at that time, dispute resolution, helping people resolve their disputes. And that really was my my career uh, in practice in law uh, with Dickinson Dees. Um, And I was doing that work probably for for, for close to 20, uh, 20 years had some amazing opportunities to get involved in cases working with some great businesses here in the northeast um, and in, indeed um, nationally and internationally uh, and I was always really grateful for the fact that um, I'd had the opportunity to live in a place that I loved uh, but be able to have a really uh, interesting and varied career there as well. What then happened um, was that I started to become more involved in the management um, side at the firm um, initially of my department and then um, I became a senior partner in 2010 uh, and uh, at that point um, my world changed, um, my focus changed, I was uh, spending less time doing uh, direct work for clients and a bit more time working on the business of the, of, of the firm uh, and I then had six years um, on the board of uh, of the firm during which time during the course of that it went through a quite significant um, transformational merger i was one of the um, key players in the merger discussions uh, and we produced what was what then became bond dickinson by merging the firm with bond pierce uh, and of course now uh, the firm has moved on further and is now wumble bond dickinson um, but i was tremendously proud to have been involved um, throughout a really exciting period for for the firm. Um, A real challenge with the the merger because uh, it truly was a merger of equals. There's not many of those happen uh, and everything has to be negotiated. So it's it's a lot more difficult uh, to achieve. And that was something that I was immensely, immensely proud of. Um, And I really enjoyed my time, um, uh, my time there during the course of that time all of that time, um, I um, was very fortunate um, to be able to settle in in the northeast. Um, my wife was a partner at uh, at Dickinson Dees for quite a number of years as well, and we had uh, two fabulous children who are now, uh, rather uh, shockingly, from my point of view, twenty five and twenty three. 
but uh, and and, uh, and and progressing in their careers as well. And it's fantastic from my point of view. You know, you say, "What are you proud of?" I'm really proud of my uh, my family uh, as well, and 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 what they're achieving. Um, but I was very fortunate. I had a great time there. And then in 2016, um, I uh, when I finished my time on the board, uh, I decided I wanted to um, step away from what I'd been doing and try some new things. Do spend the next part of my career doing some new things. And I've now got quite a variety of different roles that I fulfil. Um, but one of the ones, clearly, um, which I'm most proud of, is my role now as chair of the chamber. Can you explain to me other roles that you have in the region? Because I know you're, you're very hard working on behalf, all of our behalves. Of course, Kay, yes. So since um, since leaving um, my, my legal uh, career, I um, became chair of Newcastle Gateshead Initiative, which um, as, as many of, uh, of people will know is the destination management organization for Newcastle Gateshead and the wider region and now does some inward investment work as well. Uh, I'm also, I, I also went onto the board of Northeast Ambulance Service uh, and that's something that I've really enjoyed, um, amazing working with colleagues in the pressurised NHS, um, but a really great team and I chair also their subsidiary uh, called Northeast Ambulance Service Unified Solutions. Um, I am also on the board of Believe Housing, um, a great uh, housing um, association which I'm really proud to be involved with based in Durham having many of the social housing uh, much of the social housing in Durham uh, as I say a, a really exciting organization to be with and then as well as the chamber uh, as um, I'm also chair of trustees of Newcastle United Foundation which is the, the football charity um, and although we're independent from Newcastle United we do obviously work closely with them um, I do some consultancy um, work as well alongside that. I'm regional chair of the Prince's Trust uh, for the Northeast, another great cause which I'm really proud to be involved in. Uh, and I'm also chair of um, Crime Stoppers for Northumbria um, as well. And then I'd sp spend a little bit of time in the world of education as well. So I'm a vice chair of governors at Northumberland Church of England Academy Trust in Ashington. Uh, and I'm on the international advisory board for the business school at Newcastle University, as well as being a governor of uh, St. Chad's College in Durham University, which is my old college there. That's fantastic. I don't know how you have time to breathe. <laughs> so, that's, uh, that sounds like a really busy retirement. <laughs> it's uh, Well, I, I suppose at the heart of it is the fact that really what I was wanting to do when I stepped back from, um, from, from my legal career was to have another career. So, um, retirement at that point wasn't really in my uh, in, 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 in my sights. I just spend five days a week and more now um, working across a number of different businesses. And actually, the the variety uh, when you when you said earlier and um, and, and we were talking um, about uh, what life as a litigation lawyer uh, was like and what what you miss from that. One of the things that you do get. Um, as a litigation lawyer is a lot of variety because you're dealing with lots of different cases for different people and I think that sets you up quite well for this kind of portfolio um, kind of career because you are used to dealing with lots of different things um, at, at, at the same time and I think if I didn't have that skill I would very quickly come unstuck uh, with, with, with all of these different things but 
I'm really lucky. I'm working in the region that I love with uh, with people who I'm you know, really inspired by and who I enjoy working with. Uh, and you know, across these organisations, um, they do give. Um, you know, I, I, I wanted to be involved in organisations that were making a difference in the region, and all of these organisations do that. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that. I would just wondered if we could go back a step. Did you miss the sort of cut and thrust of court life when you became part of the management structure? I just wonder, because I just always imagine there'd be such a lot of adrenaline to preparing for a case and so on. Um, it's different. I did initially, um, but then um, I, I found it really satisfying. One of the things that I'd really enjoyed in my work was helping build and develop a, a, a strong team around me. Uh, and working, bringing on um, people I was working with, and, uh, and 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 I guess I felt I had those opportunities at a at a, a, a different level within within the firm still still to do that. But yes, I'm not going to lie; it was uh, it was a bit of a change from uh, from from what I'd done before. <laughs> Some people listening to this may not be exactly aware of what the role of the chair is of the chamber because they may be like more aware of Leslie Moody, who's our president. I just wonder for anybody who doesn't know the structure of the chamber, could you just explain the difference between what Leslie Moody does and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, because you're right, Kay, that I think people sometimes um, do find the chamber structure a, a little uh, complicated. So the role of the chair and of the board uh, is very much to look after the business of the chamber itself and think of the chamber as a a, a business it is um you know a business with a turnover of um well the budgeted turnover this year about 5.8 million um so it's a business in its own right uh, and and obviously we employ a lot of people we want to make sure that the chamber is thriving and prospering and provides a solid platform um that then allows leslie uh to be uh, focused on the work that she does, which is very much working through council with policy and with developing the, um, the, the asks that the chamber has. In terms of the role of the chamber itself in the region, what do you think the most important part of our work is? Because obviously we've been more active than ever over the last 18 months with COVID. I, I think the chamber in, a, in the region plays a really, really important role. Um, we have almost two and a half thousand members uh, and we represent businesses of all shapes and sizes and uh, we also represent the region as a whole uh, recognizing um, for business that some of the political boundaries that have emerged within the region are not boundaries that business recognizes uh, and and so we are i think uniquely placed to be able to speak for what businesses of all shapes and sizes based throughout the region need in, all, in order to succeed and prosper. So obviously we've been going for over 200 years, which is some record. Um, what do you think the next 10 years look like in terms of what people will be looking for and, and for support and, and how the Chamber can help them to grow? As you say, we've got a very proud history and during that time we've come through all sorts of uh, things that have happened and all sorts of events of history. I think inevitably the next period of time um, initially is going to be focused on on both uh, recovering from the impacts of covid and how we um, and, and, and how we develop from there and also um, the aftershock 
from um, from Brexit, which has had quite a profound impact on on a number of sectors and businesses represented within the region. So um, I think some of our work inevitably will be focused on that. Um, but clearly, as the government focuses um, more and more on global Britain, um, again, we need to be working with and we are out there working with members, uh, encouraging them to uh, look and explore what this changed um, platform looks like for them and how they might get more involved in exporting. Uh, and, and also, I guess, how we as a region can make sure as part of the uh, discussions that are taking place about levelling up and the work being done uh, around the, the, the country to achieve that, make sure that the Northeast has a strong and powerful voice for that. And also a set of solid and consistent asks uh, of government so that we're clear um, what it is that we need to succeed. Um, again, uh, I, I always, I'm very struck by uh, James Ramsburton's um, comments uh, around the fact that the Northeast is very much to be seen as an underinvested asset rather than a liability and it's really important that we we can spell out clearly to government in these coming years what we need to get from them in order that the this underinvested asset can really achieve the potential that we have what would you say was our single biggest asset as a region i think our our single biggest asset as a region um is our um our resilience or adaptability. Um, I think we have people who who have experienced shocks in the past where there's been changes, quite transformational changes, but yet people have still adapted, they've innovated and they've come through. And so I think we're resilient, I think we're innovative and I think we're adaptable. And I think those qualities are all key qualities which, which give us a very good base uh, to work from to succeed. By the resilience, do you mean things like the closure of the shipyards and, and the coal mines or the other issues that you think we've overcome? Um, I, I guess I'm thinking particularly about those kind of transformational changes, whether it be shipyards, coal mines, uh, and, and, and just um, these kind of seismic shifts which we've seen. Um, but I do also think, and I do also get a sense that there's a willingness for people uh, in the in in our region to just get on with it that that they absolutely see and understand what's going on in the world around them but but people do knuckle down and and are, are disposed to wanting to roll their sleeves up and get stuck in which i think is a, an admirable quality is there anything in particular as, as a region that you think we need to overcome to become even more successful are there any gaps in say like a skilled workforce or availability of land to attract investors? Um, I think it's interesting that you mentioned skilled workforce, Kay, because I think that, that, is, uh, that is going to be a challenge. However, we do have um, a the benefit of having some fantastic universities and further education colleges uh, around to help support that. Uh, I think we do also benefit from something else, which is a fantastic thing about the region, which is because of our size, we're able to get together and work together and collaborate together in, a, in perhaps a better way than uh, you might see in other areas. If, uh, if businesses want to move to the region, it's very easy to get all of the key people that they need to see to make that move, make the move uh, happen smoothly into one room um, and, and, and get them together. So I think 
that's a huge advantage. I think the, the challenges for us to overcome, although our connectivity is, is, is actually um, good and much better than most people um, believe it is or imagine that it is, there is still more work required there. And that's why the Chamber is very much subscribing to the work to highlight the need to increase the capacity on the East Coast Main Line. Uh, and, and also, you know, we know the importance of air links. Um, some of that is going to be um, required to be rebuilt uh, post-COVID. Uh, and I know Nick and Graham and the team at the airport will be working very hard on that in, uh, in Newcastle Airport. And I know that I'm sure that the team at uh, Tees Valley Airport will be doing the same, but it's important that we have these, these vital links. Um, and then I think the other thing which, um, which we, we, we don't need to um, lose altogether because it's part, of, it's part of who we are, but there is something about the slight modesty and almost humility of people in business in this part of the region that sometimes means we don't shout enough about our successes. Uh, I think we need to learn to do that a bit more uh, but not lose, as I say, what what makes us um, what we are along the way there. I think we, whether we like it or not, all of the, the government decisions to move, say, the Treasury to Darlington has really helped our profile, because I know in terms of the press inquiries I get, once that decision was made, there, there were a number of national reporters who were coming and talking about the region in a way that they perhaps hadn't in the past. Yeah, yeah I think we, I think everybody um, was absolutely delighted we all are delighted wherever we uh wherever we sit within the region um in terms of where we live all of us are delighted to see a win for the region uh, and a win right across the region and uh, the treasury jobs to darlington was was a fabulous development uh, a fabulous win the freeport um in uh in 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 the tees area again another fabulous win for the region and we all benefit from this it's uh you know, it, 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 it is great. It, it does uh, perhaps show as well that there's a little bit more of a trend from government to be thoughtful uh, now about um, with certainly um, with government jobs um, about whether those jobs really need to be um, in London or whether it, it, it's helpful to disperse those jobs around the regions. And obviously we think we've got a really strong proposition here for people to come because the, the, the the ability for people to move here and to live and have the working environment that um, uh, th that you can have, but also the home environment um, is is you know it's it's a great place to uh, to live and work. I heard anecdotally last week that um, estate agents are finding that there's lots of sort of expats looking to buy homes up here who are now able to work from home, so don't have to maybe be based in the southeast. So they're perhaps looking forward to to return to their roots because they don't have to go into the city of London every day and so on. So that's obviously a boon. I think um, because COVID's changed our working patterns and more people are looking at. at hybrid working solutions going forward, or in some cases, possibly even just working from home. Location is less of an issue. Uh, and uh, with, as we've all experienced with the digital um, connectivity that we've, we've made use of in the last year, uh, it, it does mean there's a lot more opportunity for people to locate where they want to be. And undoubtedly, people will find themselves in a position where uh, quite often the, the draw of home or the draw of where they've had a good time at university and they want to come back will, will come. And that again is one of the other great things about our region is people who've been here and uh, 
enjoyed their time here um, very often do work their way back. It's interesting, I see now a number of people I was at school with who, uh, who, who have disappeared and have been to different parts of the world, uh, but find the draw of home uh, quite significant as, they, uh, as they, they move on in their careers. Is there any particular part of the region that's your favourite? Uh, well, I live uh, in uh, I live in Felton, so I I do really love um, the, the the coast and countryside. Whether it be the uh, out towards Rothbury and the amazing walks that you can have uh, there, or the walks along the beaches, um, there's all again beautiful uh, places around in in this part of the region. But I'm always very conscious. I was at Durham University. I loved my time there. I've got very fond memories of uh, of, of Durham, um, and I, I always feel a great sense of pride uh, when I walk along Newcastle's quayside and look at the iconic uh, skyline of the city as well. So I, I've got many favourite places. I also like, um, again, you know, places like the walls on Berwick and walking the walls in Berwick on Tweed. I think we're very fortunate that we have some really fabulous places just on our doorstep. I know, and I, I must admit, I feel privileged because I think the chamber office high above on the hill beside County Hall overlooking the cathedral has to be one of the best views that anybody can ever have from where they work, to be fair. I don't think anybody would argue with that. That's <laughs> spectacular in the UK, you're right. Before we finish the podcast, I just wondered if you could give three pieces of advice for the next generation of business leaders coming through. What would you recommend to them? Okay, uh, my first piece of advice would be, um, don't ever be afraid to learn from others. Uh, it's really important to have a mentor. Um, management and uh, senior leadership is a lonely place to be. Uh, nobody knows all of the answers themselves. So find a good mentor, They're absolutely worth their weight in gold. Um, secondly, always remember that um, whatever your business is, it's about your people. Um, it's about it's about working with the team that you have around you, building really strong teams, and uh, making sure that you focus as much time as you're able to on on the people that work with you. Uh, it really will really really does repay uh, will, will be repaid, um, and you know any customer of a business knows if the people who work with that business are. Uh, enthusiastic about the business but more importantly are being looked after properly by that business and that that's really important um, and then I guess um, the third one would probably be um, would probably be to say be be decisive because um, you've got to make you, you've got to be able to make decisions um, sometimes you you just have to make a decision uh, but be decisive but do the right thing as well um, Sometimes you've got to make decisions which are tough decisions, but but always be true to yourself in that and make sure if it is a tough decision that you implement it in a way that's compassionate, um, because ultimately uh, that, that that's really, really, um, that's really, really important. And then if I'm allowed a fourth quick one, I would say Absolutely. enjoy the journey um, because um, it is enjoyable and uh, and should be enjoyable. You should enjoy um, what you're doing. And perhaps before I finish, I can just uh, say a word or two um, about about the news that James Ramsbotham will be stepping back as chief executive. Um, on behalf of myself, all of the board, and I know 
um, many members and stakeholders. Um, we'd just like, I'd like firstly to put on record our gratitude and thanks for the amazing job James has done um, in his role as chief executive over the last 15 years. It's a long, long time to do um, a role of this kind with the demands that, um, that, that, that come with it, but that James has been uh, a really fantastic ambassador for the region, uh, but also a really compassionate and strong leader of the chamber as well. And uh, I know has worked uh, closely with so many of the chamber staff um, over the period of time as well. So um, when James told me he was, um, he, he, he was going to be leaving, um, then uh, as always, that uh, is sad news. Um, but also a period of time to celebrate on the amazing achievements um, that we as a chamber have gone through uh, under James's leadership. Um, I, I'm uh, very much looking forward to working with my board colleagues uh, to ensure, because uh, it's a big responsibility that falls on us to um, find the appropriate person to take on the mantle of Chief Executive of the Chamber, but I'm really looking forward to working with board colleagues on that. Um, I'm very optimistic that we will find um, another fantastic leader for everyone um, for, for the Chamber. It's a fantastic job. Uh, I think the profile of the role and the opportunity for the right person uh, to be able to play such a pivotal role in uh, making a difference within our region means that I think we'll have a really good pool of people who will be interested in coming forward. And I'm very confident from that, that we will find uh, the right person to move forward and it will create an opportunity for the chamber moving forward. Um, but it will also, and it's really important we, we do have this, uh, up, uh, allow us a period of time and a platform um, just to mark, remember and celebrate the many great years we've had under James Ramsbotham's leadership. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. And it's been great to hear more about your career and challenges you've overcome, as well as all of the hopes for the future for you, for the, for the chamber as well, as well as yourself. Thank you. Thanks, Kay.